So it's sunny today, I think. Oh, 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 it rains. I like the rain. So you have rain, and you have sun, and you have snow, you have wind, summer, and winter, and autumn, spring. It's inspiring. If you want to know how God works, reflect on those things. I've got a cherry tree for the last pretty much six months that just looks like nothing. Cheryl put bulbs in the, in, the, in, the, in the earth a year ago and nothing happened until about a month ago. What does the kingdom of God look like? What I'm sharing to you today is immensely inspiring, I hope. I hope it actually takes all the pressure off you. In Palm Sunday, we talked about the, how Jesus walked in, came, rode into, it's a familiar story. Um, I always need to qualify something, and I know I irritate some of you, well, probably most times, but when I say things like Bible study, you know, I, I, I go, have Bible study, and then Ev will say, you've got to know Romans, or whatever. But the Bible, the Bible is a gardening manual. You can read this book and never live anything about it, of it. You can know every phrase and you can quote every phrase and you can never actually bear much of the fruit that that actually points to. Because it's a gardening book. It's a book about how God works with people. And unless it comes off the pages into your heart, all you know is knowledge. Because Satan can actually quote that book better than you or I. just want to provoke you. We are more secure in studying the Bible than actually applying it. And we're more secure in studying parts of the Bible that agree with us than actually going up to the parts that we don't agree with and therefore we call it our theologies. So where the Bible causes us to jump off a cliff and trust in God, we go, no, 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 that doesn't mean that. That's, that's too risky. That's Pentecostal. And we have names for our fears covered by theologies in the name of Jesus that are fruitless. And one of the things we want to actually learn how to deal with really, really deeply is that God is not like us. He's much bigger. He knows much more. And he's really, really willing to work with us. So what is the kingdom of God like? The people came in welcoming Jesus on Palm Sunday as the Messiah. Set us free from the Romans. We said this every single time we talk about Palm Sunday. Set us free from the Romans. Give us political change. And God responds and says, why do you think I want to come in and set you free from the Romans? That is such a small thing. That is such a finite thing. That is so selfish. That is so historically bound in a paradigm of 400 years. My ways are far greater than your ways and my agendas are much bigger beyond your imagination. I am not coming to save you from the Romans. I'm coming to, to cut the thread of the evil that feeds every war in the world for every time and every generation. Because your perception of what needs to be done is so small and so infantile. Throw some people out the sandbox so other people can come in. Let's change the, the government. We're going to get it. We're doing this now with an election. How many elections have we gone through and you've found perfection? 
How many elections have you gone through? Somebody's promised something and four years later you're kicking them out. Why? Because human beings cannot live up to the billing. And the other human beings don't like to be told what to do. Nobody here, but maybe people we know. We are messed up in our hearts and in our inside. And we're asking from one another the thing that we cannot give one another. Only God can give it. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he goes to the cross because God works in totally different ways. How does the kingdom come? I want to I suggest to you that the kingdom always comes hidden and small with great potential to grow. How does the kingdom come? Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be with child. Let it be so. How does the kingdom come? A declaration, an invitation, and a response, let it be so. The key to most of our lives is the response of Mary, let it be so, to the initiative of the king. The kingdom is present. I have this little pet right now sort of thing that I'm keeping on saying, which is I think we keep on asking God to do stuff that he's already done. How many of you have gardens? And you, if you'd like, you could come up to the front and we can pray that God will actually look after your gardens and you won't have to do anything. You'll go home today, the lawn's mowed, you go, the flower bags are dug out. I mean, everything's done for you. Should we pray that? How many of you believe for that? Why don't you? Why do you laugh? Why do you laugh at the thought of such a ridiculous prayer? We are praying that prayer over our lives all the time. We are coming up, I'm not rebuking now, I'm speaking strongly, but it's encouraging. We come up for prayer and ask God to do things that we're not prepared to enter into. And then we get disappointed. We come up for prayer for God to do stuff. That's actually called magic. God doesn't do magic. Mary, you will be with child. He's going to be the savior of the world. Mary runs runner. I've got the savior of the world in me. Maybe. 30 years later, he stands up and says, all right, let's get to work. 30 years later, the seed blossoms. 30 years later. I want to encourage some of us. The planting of the seed is part of a process that takes time. God takes time. There is more planted in you right now than you have any clue about. And God's waiting for permission to bring it to fruition. Because he will not go beyond the response, Mary, you have been overshadowed, you will be overshadowed with the Holy Spirit and her response, be it done unto me as you declare. God will not ever cross your will. They say, yes, he will. He will just overpower you. He said, no, he won't. Look what he did to Saul when he was on the road to Damascus. He overpowered him. He said, no, he didn't. Saul probably said, God, I want to serve you. And God heard him, but Saul didn't recognize the God who really he was speaking to until he had a revelation. 
A lot of our discouragement is because we've got wrong understandings of the simple things of God. And that's because we've inherited it. It's nobody's fault. It's just the way it works. There's this parable of the sower and the seeds. And when you read the parable of the sower and the seeds, the one thing you don't get is the sower had 15 seeds and he dropped them very clearly. The whole image of is a sower who just scatters seeds. Look at the fruit tree. And if I was doing them, I'd say, maybe make, you know, let 20 maybe? 25, maybe 40? Everything in creation that God created is lavish. There are too many fruit trees. There's too much fruit. There's too many apples. There's too many grapes. There's everything is lavish. But he just says, I can do that. When I give, I just pour it out. So I sow seed. So if God is lavish and he maybe pours seed out lavishly, generously, more than you need, and nothing's growing or nothing's been sensed in you or me, is the problem with the seed or is the problem with where the seed falls? What you think about God is really important. If God is a stingy sower who rewards you with seed, then you might not, never get any. If God is a, is a, is a, is a kind of uh, performance-driven sower and he gives you seed and he then wait, watches you plant it, you'll never see anything. If your image of God is, is a negative, small-minded, like us kind of God, it's not going to be fun. And some of the representations of God through the church or so-called Christian leaders or whoever weigh heavy burdens on people because of the perception of God who is a killjoy God or an angry father God or is a disciplinarian God who is all kinds of warped pictures of God. It's why we need so much healing in terms of our own mindsets about who God is. He's a farmer who's very good at his job. We should actually sing that song, Good, Good Farmer, not Good, Good Father at times. We often, I'm reading something from somebody, we often want to, the courage to do the right thing and we know that God wants us to do it. It's really an audible voice that leads us and more in alignment of feeling his, his guidance in doing the right thing. Other times we experience something completely unexpected, random or creative that helps us with a solution and we know that we didn't think that up and we realize that God has just spoken to us in that situation as well. We need to remember that God's native language is not English or whatever language we speak. He's not limited to leading us with language if our heart is open. I believe, and increasingly so, that God actually speaks to the heart before he speaks to the mind. I have this theory, I've had it for a long time, that behind every theology is an emotional issue. That our minds actually get in the way. And I love the mind, but I don't think it's where the life is. I think it's the heart. And that's why I prayed earlier, and, and I still say, we need to give God permission to break the wall between our heads and our hearts. Some of us, are way, way, way too locked up into our minds. Some of us are way too locked up in our hearts. God's lavishing seed of his kingdom over everyone here. You have more than you can handle right now. What's God like? We see it in Jesus. 
He healed everyone. He called everyone. He fed everyone. He loved everyone. He sent out his disciples to invite everyone. Everyone who came to him was healed. And if everyone was like us, then they were all pieces of work, really. They had all kinds of issues. They had all kinds of unresolved stuff. But he healed everyone. Because he can. Because he also knows if I capture your heart and you actually realize I'm not angry, I'm here for you, not against you, everything will change. Let me try and follow my notes today. So he looks for the lost sheep. He's a shepherd, he's a gardener. And the focus this t- today is on the gardener. And if God is good and he lavishly shares the seeds of his kingdom and nothing is happening, we need to look to the ground. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weed also appeared. The owner's servants came and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my house, into my barn. He talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed, most unimpressive, but grows into something large. It talks about the kingdom of heaven being like yeast that is mixed into dough. Appearances can be deceiving with God. What we value, what we think is great, is often not on his radar screen. The purpose and presence of the kingdom is to impact the world, is to change the world. So if we are gardens, until we met Jesus, we are just overgrown wasteland. Anything goes and anything grows. Or we are those who are gardens that says, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. When we become followers of Jesus, or when we become to our senses and say, I need help, we invite the garden, gardener to come in. I don't know about you, but have you ever found a garden where there are no weeds? And once you've done the weeding, have you just done the weeding once? It seems that in every garden, no matter how beautiful, weeds always arrive. Some of us are incredibly discouraged because of the weeds. I call it weeds or jars of clay. That the kingdom of God lives among weeds. The kingdom of God and the weeds coexist. They have to because it's being reclaimed. That means that life is messy. And where the kingdom of heaven is present, there is messiness. But the, go- the, the gospel and it basically talks about when it's, when, when it's growing, it looks the same. And if you're too quick to judge things, you pull out the things that God is actually trying to grow and leave the weeds. In your own life too, you can get really impatient. So you start deciding what's going to be on and off and you suddenly find that you've plucked out the very thing that God's trying to plant. Well, it looks like a weed to me. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. I don't want you to go away today feeling proud. I want you to go away feeling humble. 
because you're full, you're a garden full of all kinds of stuff. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And really the bottom line is who's doing the gardening? Because most of us are control freaks when it comes to our lives. Jesus, I'm just signing up for this part of the garden. The front door. The garden, you know, fence that people can see in. And he goes, I'm coming into the whole garden. We wonder why things aren't changing because we're actually having the wrong conversations. Life is meant to be like a father finding his son or daughter, stepping into their garden and saying, let's get to work. And life with Jesus is meant to be like a child with a father saying, Dad, what do you want to do now? What should we do? What would you like to do? Okay, let's try. It's a partnership. And God says, you know, if you ask for bread, I'm not going to give you stone. If, you ca- if I come into your garden, I'm not going to ruin it. If you could see the garden I have for you, if I could just give you a visual of your garden, everybody here could simultaneously see the garden that they had, you would be amazed and you would actually be in tears. Why? Because you'd walk through the garden and everything you delight in would be growing. And there would be little touches that go back to your childhood and there would be little things and objects around. And you go, how is this so personalized? And he'll just smile at you and say, because I know you. And I love you. And I'm not going to give you Brussels sprouts when you hate them. Surprise, I'm going to grow Brussels sprouts all over your garden. You go, I hate Brussels sprouts. He says, no, I'm going to, I'm going to grow things that are a delight to you because I love you. And it's so frustrating because you won't let me plant because you can't get past the Brussels sprouts. You keep thinking that's what I'm about. Or you think everybody else's gardens will have the nice things but yours won't. You know the difference between weeds and what God plants? How do you tell the difference between a weed and a fruitful thing that God plants? Where's he planting? He's planting in your heart. Your heart is the field. What do you think weeds feel like growing in your heart? Negative. Bitter angry, sour. What do the things of God look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, nourishment, freedom. All of those come as seeds to grow and to be nurtured. If they sit in your mind, they're like a little in, a, in a little seed packet. You have all the theory and you have the whole garden in your head but nothing is taking root in your life. And what's even more frustrating is people who walk around talking heads about gardens, but nothing's blossoming in their life and there's no fragrance. They say, I can't understand why people keep me at arm's length. They say, because you stink. And it's not a nice flower. It's weeds. See, unless it goes into your heart, you won't have humility. You'll just be swollen-headed. You'll be like a tadpole and then an ugly frog trying to give you some images. And then you'll croak. And we're back in the dust we talked about last week. Why am am I saying this? Because I think God's showing me, just saying, you know, I want want you, you to be encouraged to know that I'm right here. How do you know God is right here? Listen to your heart. How do you know what God wants to do? Listen to your heart. What's in your heart right now? That's why you need to turn the cell phones off sometimes. 
You don't need to listen to another conference. You don't need to go to another conference. You don't need to listen to another worship song. Just shut up. Of course you need all of those. Don't get me wrong and send me emails about that. All right? it's, it's, it's just kind of relax. Sort of listen to yourself. I don't want to have to say to you, shut up, because then you get upset with me. But I can say it in the name of Jesus if you want. We have to have a sense of humor about ourselves because we are a property that's a little tacky. It's a little weird. Um, and God wants to come and listening to the weeds, you listen to your heart. So if your heart is full of fear, anxiety, it's a weed. Jesus, please take away the weed. He kind of goes, okay, give it to me. I'm afraid to give it to you. Of course, that's fear. So now we're listening to the weeds. We give weeds authority because actually that's what we've known all our lives. Most of us came from very unkempt gardens where the weeds were the flowers. The weeds were our truth. The weeds were what we knew. And in some cultures, the weeds were, were, were medicinal to give us healing. And that's not all wrong, by the way. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying we grew up in a culture of natural weeds were our life. And Jesus comes and says, those are weeds. You don't need fear. You don't need anxiety. You don't need faithlessness. You don't need anger. You don't need blame. You want to hear what God's saying to you? One of the first things he'll say is we need to do some weeding and reading, weeding and reading. We need to actually get in there and start clearing some ground. And then you get defensive and I get defensive and say, how dare you say that to me? Listen to the weeds. The weeds, the weeds come from Satan because what did he say? He says, as I have grown sown good seeds, somebody else is coming to sow other seeds. You are in a battle, you and I. Don't be disillusioned by that. As Graham Cook says, learn to love the battle. There are two gardeners. Learn how to discern who's doing what. So one of the things God will do is begin to reveal to you the weeds. The way the weeds speak, because Satan's not clever, is the weeds won't keep their mouths shut. And when weeds speak to you, they accuse you. And when weeds speak to you, they cause you to feel shame or discouragement or all the negative stuff. So you can identify weeds quite easily by the sound of their voice and how they speak. Whereas the seed of the kingdom is affirming. It's encouraging. It's life-giving. It's hope-filled. Where this gets problematic is where, first of all, God is not planting one seed in your garden. Promises that where the river of life flows, there are, is fruitfulness every month throughout the year. But in that garden, different things might grow at different times. And so some things that in your life God might be pruning. Other things might be dormant. Other things might be budding and coming to fruitfulness. He determines that, not you. And what happens with us is we start trying to call the shots as to what's happening in us but the evidence is not borne out in our characters and in our disposition. So there's a disconnect. God told me last night I'm going to be an apple tree. I'm an apple tree, I declare. And the angel whispers, you have a seed in you right now. You will be an apple tree. Shut up for now. 
let it grow. Having the seed does not mean you show the fruit. You will show the fruit after there has been a process of growth. And I just want to encourage us because many of us don't like the process of growth. We, we want to be things, but we don't want to go through the growth process. And so we sabotage stuff and then we get angry with everybody around because they go, you don't look like an apple, you don't smell like an apple, you don't taste like an apple right now. But I see the potential. God is doing things in you. And the way you'll find out what he's doing is you will discern the things. The chances are if you have something like unforgiveness, you know what God does, don't you? It's like the weed and feed where they just put more seed on. He just, he'll say, I'll plant forgiveness right there and it'll just kill it. Whatever you want from God, you can receive. Everything that is, how does, how does God work in terms of listening? He creates hunger. Weeds come from envy. The Spirit of God's seeds come from hunger. Weeds are motivated, motivated by envy. They look horizontally and they see, I want that, I want that, I want that. Gimme, 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 gimme. They're thieves. They're destroyers. They're those creepers that come along and just... Let's see the video of... Uh, for some of you who are visual, let's look at the parable of the sower. So there you have it. You are God's field. Your heart is God's field. For many, that heart has got afraid. It's got a big wall around it. For many, some of it's a bit cultivated. For many, it was cultivated when you became a Christian. You thought that was the whole point of it. And he said, I, I actually became a Christian just to get into, this, into the garden. I went to the cross so I could break down the barriers so I can actually get in the garden. Oh! And the rest is a lifelong process of gardening. And the key is welcoming the garden and saying, what do you want to do? So if God gives good seed and God is a good gardener and things aren't growing, what's the problem? I know it's a tough one, isn't it? Me. Not me for you, you for you and me for me, right? Some of you might agree with it's me for you and I'm not going there. <laughs> you deal with your own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or you might have somebody else you want to put in there. If, if it was not for them, then I could be a great garden. No. You don't get away like that. And the parable of the sower, and I'm just going to finish in the last five minutes with this, is that the seed falls on ground and the ground is your heart and the heart can be four things. And your heart can change because I know my heart has been every one of these. It can be hard ground, which means it's indifferent, it's shut down, it's angry, it's disappointed. It's negative. And basically everything God wants to release just bounces off. And sometimes our hearts, there might be different sections of our hearts, but that certainly that's one that keeps God out. So God can pour out as much seed as he wants. And I know certainly I spent some years where that was my heart. I was angry, disappointed, disillusioned, and it was hard. It's not a happy place. It's like a drought. And so there's a point where each of us has to come to where we say, I don't want this heart anymore to be hard. And it's hard because the last time it wasn't hard, it got hurt. 
And God comes in and says, I didn't hurt you. And you say, well, you didn't do anything to protect me. And he says, how do you know? That's why who God is is important. That's why your understanding of the love of God and the unconditional love of the Father is important. Because he says, why would I do that to you? If you look at my truck outside your garden, it's full of tools and rakes and rotten mirrors and everything else. I've been waiting to work with you for all your life. And I still am. But I'm afraid if you come in, God, I like some of those weeds, especially the stuff we can smoke. And it's getting legalized now in Canada. It's a big gardening. And he goes, that's the false god of Canada. Yes. Now some of you like that too much. It's, it's break that weed in the name of Jesus. And that's how it always works, by the way. It's harmless. It's recreational. Every sin presents like that. There's the ground that is uh, rocky ground. And rocky ground means that you tend to start with some enthusiastic emotional response, but as soon as the, it gets hot or negative in any way, you just crumble up and wither away. And you do that a few times and you go, this doesn't work. The rocky ground means it's only sort of yielded. And then you have the, uh, the thorns where you actually welcome God in and you try and follow him but you find that you're beaten up by circumstances or situations and you get disillusioned. And that's why we need one another. I will say this until the day I die. We need one another. The isolation is the easiest way. If you want to learn from the wild, it's the single ones away from the herd that get nailed. And I see it in the Christian life all the time. All the time. And there's a whole lot of, and I, I want to say crap, but I shouldn't, but there is, about I can be isolated, I don't need the community. And it's just part of your dysfunction. It's not of the Spirit of God. I will go to my dying day on that one. I absolutely am passionate about that. Our, 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 our going off on our own is a dysfunction that is a symptom of weeds having caught, caught you. And you hide in, in, in actually weeds of deception because you will be taken out. And you can be taken out and still be a Christian. You can just be a dogmatic pain in the neck because the fruit of the Spirit is always a servant heart. The fruit of the Spirit is always how can I serve? How can I be of help? The fruit of the Spirit is always humility. It's always there's no way I can be on my own because actually I want to pour my life into other people. So the heart, the condition of our hearts is incredibly important. And of course, the thorns are powerful until you realize they're not. Until you realize that actually when you know who you are, I'll have to tell you my little story quickly again. When I was imprisoned and I saw the Superman emblem on my chest, and I felt like I was in Egypt and I was being totally broken down and I'd been there for years and God said, look at your chest and I saw the Superman emblem and something in me rose up, like those things that rose up there, it rose up and the, the thorns just fell. And they went, he knows. And the key was my identity. And when you know your identity, the thorns can't touch you. They can't touch you. They can try but you know what they are. 
And that's why I discourage people from continually saying, oh, Satan this and Satan that. Stop it. Don't obsess with Satan. Ignore him. He hates it. Which is really satisfying. Satan is just an irritant in the garden. He's been overcome. So the heart that is receptive, it hears and it understands. In, in Matthew 13, he says, you'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. He ties that together. The heart and the seeing and the hearing is tied together with the heart that is open. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. Pay attention to your heart. God loves your heart. Your heart is where everything happens. And in, in your heart, God will give you revelation of what he's working on. He will speak to you about whatever your fears are, whatever your issues are. Talk to him about from your heart. And then he will give you understanding in your head. But truthfulness is rooted in the heart. Many, many of our relationships and our engagements are from the head to head. It's just an exchange of knowledge, but there's no power in it. D usually defending our positions. Does that make sense? The kingdom of God is within you. It grows like a seed from your heart. And God has many, many seeds to bring to fruition in your garden. He's not a one-seed God. Listen to your heart right now. If I had listened to this at some points, I would go, yeah, but. Cynicism is easy. Disappointment is easy. And one of the ways of dealing with those negatives is merely just saying, Jesus, I don't know how to get rid of this, but I invite you to. That's why he's the gardener. He can help take away weeds. I finish with <coughs> from the uh, Bakers, uh, Roland and Heidi Baker again in the, uh, about their work. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If Jesus needs the power of that kind of joy, so do we. The prospect of such great joy got him through the cross. The same kind of joy will get us through our fiery trials. We have seen it happen over and over again in Mozambique. In the midst of our worst suffering, we find our greatest joy. Those are two realities in the same garden. We are his jars of clay, always willing to be put on the potter's wheel. As ministers of the gospel, we are fragile, weak vessels. When others see our weakness, it becomes obvious that power belongs to God and not to us. As apostles and ministers of the gospel, death is at work in us from one perspective. Paul comments that apostles are the outcasts of the world, the ones displayed last of all. That is our calling, to be the least, the lowest, to be the servant of all, the slave of all, because that's where God is with us and we find our joy. So what do you want? If you could say, Jesus, in my garden, this is what I want. And chances are, he said, I'm glad you asked, because everything he wants to give often comes from hunger. But because we are a bit screwed up, he has better things to give than we often ask for. So I want joy. And often I'm told, you look cross. I'm a bit of a potato when it comes to joy. It's deeply underground. So I've got to ask God to raise it up. It's not immediately always obvious, right? <laughs> There's no need to agree with that. <laughs> uh, what do you want? What do you want or what do you need? Let's stand. Um, and those hands that uh, I asked you to hold open earlier, what is in them now? Holy Spirit, I just invite your presence uh, to, to plant deeply in us right now.
So you determine whether your heart is going to be open or not. You can open a hard heart, a thorny heart, a shallow heart or a deep heart. You can basically open your heart and don't overanalyze its condition other than to say it needs some help. Because the Father says, I'm here to help you. I'm here to, to weed and feed. The Holy Spirit, is there anything in our hearts right now that you want us to just bring to you so that you can take it from us and help us with it? Because the kingdom works relationally. And there's also the promise in the, par- in the, in, in the parable that God just does a mustard seed or it seems like that to us. And if you have patience, you will see things grow a hundredfold, way beyond and out of proportion. So Father, I just speak to the faith in each person. I call faith up in the name of Jesus to believe for the things that have already been planted. God might remind you of something this morning that he has planted in you and that you've forgotten about or you actually gave up and he said, it's still growing. If I was dependent on you and your memory, we wouldn't get anywhere. I'm faithful. But we can accelerate our growth if we actually cooperate. So instead of walking around the garden of your life, bossing everybody around and bossing God around, what about trying to surrender and saying, Jesus, thank you, that you're the perfect gardener. So I just say, welcome to the garden. What do you want to do? Take all the pressure out of performance. Take all the pressure out of trying to determine what you should do. And just begin to say, Lord, here I am. I have messed around in this garden all my life and it looks pretty weird. There are a few good spots, but mostly it looks a little strange. And I'd love to see what you could do with this. And the Father says, I'm so glad that we can do this together. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Open up your heart. Open up your heart. Stop fighting. Stop running. Stop being afraid. Stop predetermining and writing the agenda. Open up your heart. Start asking God to let your heart grow and let your mind be stilled. Because a heart, as Bill Johnson says, will take you to places that your, your head cannot go. So Father, I just bless every heart that is here right now. Bless every heart. And the Father says, all I have is yours. All that I have is yours. Receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it will rain. Sometimes the sun will shine. Sometimes it will feel like nothing's happening. And that in those times he says, of course things are happening. It's just a dormant time. And so God comes to you this morning and he says, okay, let's put something new in your garden today. What do you want? Well, what do you want, God? No, I want to know what you want. What do you want? Because I don't want to get the wrong answer. He said, I don't have a wrong answer. What do you like in your garden? Receive it. Put it in those hands that are cupped and put it in your heart. Receive it. Peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness. Come Holy Spirit. I thank him for that. And it could be a bunch of things, actually, because he will give everything you want. A bunch of things. Just receive it and nurture it in these next days and weeks. Father, just bless. 
the seeds that will bring life that you have given to each person here today. faith rise up and joy rise up and hope rise up and the weeds that have locked us into lies for so long, we, we command them to wither in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we, be gone. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.